Welcome back to Slam Presents Who Ties. I'm your host, Ahmad K. Smith. We have a very special guest coming on, Max Van from 929 The Game, talking about Trey Young, talking about the Atlanta Hawks. But I want to talk about a lot of people kind of talking shit about the USA commits from the FIBA World Cup for the 2023 FIBA World Cup. And I'm looking at the roster and I'm just like, I don't really get why people are kind of shitting on this roster. I feel like I'm looking at Mikhail Bridges, a guy who is kind of went to the Brooklyn Nets and kind of showcased his talent that some of the things that he wasn't getting able to, wasn't being able to kind of showcase showcase with the Phoenix Suns. He was doing that with the Brooklyn Nets, showed that he's kind of like a three-level scorer. He has a lot of potential, a lot of growth, and the reason why the Brooklyn Nets do not want to trade him. Then we got Jalen Brunson, who was a former MVP in 2015 when he played on the, the U-19 uh, World Cup, and he won the MVP. So he has a little FIBA, I guess, experience. Then we got, shout out to Austin Rees. Austin Rees is a guy I feel like when we talk about a come up, when we talk about a guy that's kind of worked on his game and developed, what a story. I mean, <laughs> two years ago, a few years ago, he went undrafted and now he's about to play on the USA FIBA World Cup team. This is a guy that can create his own shot, has a, a, a nice handle, you know, playmaking ability. I feel like he's going to be a souped up Joe Inglis um, in the future in the NBA, like he's very, very special. But most importantly, um, has a, has a has the potential to be very special. Austin Reeves. But most importantly, they got they got Brandon Ingram and they got <laughs> Anthony Edwards. I feel like regardless of the situation, what Francis has, regardless of the situation, what Canada has, I don't think they have two players on the caliber of. Brandon Ingram, a guy that can do everything on the basketball court, that can guard one through four, that can pass, that can facilitate, that's a mid-range legend, a mid-range sniper, a guy that can, you know, sneaky athletic. When he's healthy, this guy is talented enough to be on eye level when we talk about from a talent and skill level, eye level with Jason Tatum and Luka Doncic. That's how talented Brandon Ingram is. And I know people are going to talk about SGA and Jamal Murray may play for Canada and things of that nature. I'm here to tell you right now, I know SGA just came off a first, all-NBA first team, but is he really better than Brandon Ingram? I really don't know. Is he really better than Anthony Evers? I don't really think so. I feel like Anthony Evers is a guy who is, once again, going to probably be one day the best basketball player in this world. I mean, he's his tools, his athleticism, his defensive capability, what he brings on the defensive, defensive floor, you know, during a regular season and in the postseason. Like, he's a very special talent. So I'm looking at this roster, and people are really acting like, you know, just because we don't see LeBron James, Stephen Curry, like the USA just threw out some some, some guys. Like, these guys are hoopers. These guys are – we got all NBA players. We got all-stars, like – Brandon Ingram started an all-star game before. <laughs> Jaron Jackson just won a defensive player of the year. So I was like, Tyrese, Tyrese Halliburton is one of the, the craftiest and one of the, the, the deadliest three-point shooters this league has ever seen. So I'm looking at this, this roster. I feel, I feel cool. I feel good about it. I don't feel like – I'm not going to say I feel great like it's an automatic, but people making it seem like they, it's a legit concern because of France – with Rudy Gobert and Wimbiana, who probably is going to be their best player. Anytime you are you have an 18-year-old that's probably going to compete in the World Cup and people say that's going to be the best player, potentially the best player on your team, and Evan Fourier. For, Evan Fourier? Whatever his name, Evan Fourier. Um, 
Uh, that's that doesn't that doesn't put fear in my heart when we talk about the the USA FIBA World Cup team. Um, and, but for us players, I would like to see when they fill out the rest of the roster this upcoming month. I would love to see Evan Mobley, a guy who I feel like is a future defensive player of the year, can guard one through five in the basketball court. I would love to see them get more bigs. I wouldn't mind seeing Nick Claxton from the Brooklyn Nets, a guy who's also has ability to to potentially guard one through five in the basketball court someday. Rim protect as well, athletic and run the floor. Another guy I would love to see Trey Young, a guy we're talking about on you know later on the podcast. Trey Young facilitating pass, getting guys open. Like you will really see how. Lethal Trey Young is when he plays with elite talent. Like he's that special. And another guy, if we can get him, you know, <laughs> get his mind in the right, <laughs> the right situations, get his mind back on basketball activities. I would love to see Zion Williamson. This would be a perfect opportunity for him to focus, get locked back in on basketball and focus on like being healthy, focus on playing, focus on competing, focus on, you know, showing the world that yo. Use this as a, a way to get in shape. Use this as a way to, to remind folks, like, who the hell you are. I don't know if that's going to happen because the Northern, Northern Pelicans and their situation for us, their training facilities and things of that nature and, and how they're so concerned about Zion playing, even though their training facilities is very question, questionable and they have the same train, training facilities with the, um, the New Orleans Saints and things of that nature. They may be a little worried of that, but I would love to see Zion Williamson Playing this tournament as well, so I'm looking at this this roster. I'm like, well, listen, this this could be enough. This is this is all right, but other people are, are shitting on it. But I'm just like, they got some guys. And once again, when you have Anthony Edwards and Brandon Ingram on your team, I don't see any other team in that tournament, regardless of who plays, you know, from the NBA who, for those other teams. It's nobody that has a duel of Brandon Ingram and Anthony Edwards. So I think they're going to be all right. But once again, uh, make sure you, you stay stay on. We got Max coming on. We're talking to Trey Young. We're talking to Atlanta Hawks. We're talking to Orlando Magic. We're also talking about Paolo as well, how special he is, how potentially maybe one day he could possibly be the best player in the world as well. So tune in, lock in, let's go. And we're back with another very special guest, Max Van Auken from 929 The Game. How you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. I really appreciate you having me on. No problem, Max. So now you say you just moved to Atlanta. So did you, yeah. where, where'd you, where'd you grow up? So there's a lot that's transpired <laughs> within the span of a handful of months. I'm originally okay. from Daytona Beach, Florida. And so then my okay. podcast, the Max Van Auken podcast, the MVP, mm-hmm. that's where I originated from. I've covered the Orlando Magic. That's where I've covered the NBA, do local radio there. And then I had a Fox Sports internship in LA. I get back, finish school. Then I got 92.9 The Game. So I move out here to Atlanta. So everything's been very fluid. Mm-hmm. So you're covering the Atlanta Hawks right now or just? Yep, yep, yep. Okay. So to the max every Wednesday night on 92.9 The Game. Obviously talk plethora of sports, but I always try to go macro. It doesn't always have to be just specifically about yeah. Atlanta, but obviously with the Hawks right here, Falcons and it's yeah. Braves. There's just so much going on here. Yeah, we're definitely going to talk about the Atlanta Hawks, but I want to ask you what kind of got your start for the love of, of the game for us, like getting into the sports industry, but also like who'd you grow up a fan of or watching, things of that nature. Right. So I was always an athlete growing up, but I would always get in trouble in class for talking. Like I, I always knew I talked a lot, but I would get good grades, but I would just talk a lot. And then once I come to the realization after being stubborn, I wasn't going to the NBA. I was like, okay, hold on. This 
there's got to be a way that I could do this, though. I got to be around the game. I can't just work a regular nine to five and not be around the game. There's just no way that's happening. And so then once I'm like, wait a second, you can get paid by just talking sports like that's possible to do. And yeah. I've started doing research and Colin Coward was my idol growing up, still is. And I got an opportunity to work with him. Uh, but I'm like, wait a second. Now you have podcasting, too. Like, I don't need to just wait for anything. So that's why my whole thing was why wait? I can create my podcast and talk sports right now. And that's what ended up happening. So did you for his basketball, what would you say? kind of got you to start covering a game of basketball as far as an individual player individual player like for myself i grew up a miami heat fan i'm from st louis missouri so i didn't really have a, a specific team in st louis but i gravitated towards the miami heat because the way was my right. favorite player so for me it was t-mac i remember my older brother was obsessed with t-mac i remember just seeing number one blue in an orlando jersey i remember playing him on ea sports throwing it off the glass and watching his highlights i was like oh my gosh leg sleeve throwing it off the glass i'm like t-mac is that guy i thought he was the greatest thing ever so t-mac was kind of the first wow moment where i would just find myself watching his highlights and just watching his games just hours at a time and you grew up in florida so close to orlando or close to miami what part Daytona Beach is about an hour away from Orlando, and it's about oh, three God. hours away from Miami. So Orlando, just growing up as a kid, was just right there. And so you're yeah. just an hour away, if you, no traffic, maybe 45 minutes even. Okay, before we get started talking about the Atlanta Hawks, talk to me about Paolo, since you were closer to Orlando. Rookie of the yeah. year, phenomenal player. He came in the most NBA-ready guy, I felt like, from the draft class. He kind of showed out and improved. I think the the rookie of the year race was kind of locked up after the first month. So talk to me about him, his potential um, going forward, and also what he did his rookie season. You know what's crazy with Paulo, and I said this to uh, Chris Broussard and Rob Parker when I was on The Odd Couple. I was like, man, I broke down Chet Holgram. I'm like, he reminds me of cryptocurrency, where it's like Bitcoin hit, but not all crypto hits. And so we may not see Chet hit. And I'm like, Jabari Smith is more of like a nine to five job. We've seen this model before. We know it works. It's instant gratification. You know, it's going to be effective, but we don't know what the ceiling necessarily is. We don't know if you're going to get filthy rich from a nine to five job like Jabari. And I didn't even give one for Paulo. And I feel like I owe him a big apology for that. And so then looking at how productive he was so early, it was insane. Like he's you know, we always try to draw up comps and like, oh, who he may play like, or he kind of resembles this. Sometimes just letting people be who they are is the best thing you can do. And so with Paulo, I think he just ended up finding himself very early. And that's a really hard thing to do in the NBA is finding your identity. He found his identity like so quickly and just was effective out the gate. So if you're an Orlando fan, and I've already said publicly, I've said on my podcast, I'm sorry, Paulo. Like, I, not that I thought he was going to be bad, but I didn't give him the credit he deserved early on. Yeah, it's crazy because I felt like coming into the draft, I thought he was the best player easily. Really? Yeah, really. I thought people were talking about Jabari Smith and stuff like that. I thought he was talented, but I thought clearly for what Paolo was doing, um, Carroll was doing at Duke, and then just like his frame and his skill set, I was like, oh, he's going to be a problem in the NBA. And he comes with Orlando Magic, and we're seeing a – a guy that's scoring 20 points, a guy that's rebounding, also has defensive capability. So I was like, yo, he's going to be special. He's the type of player I felt like. People were talking about Carmelo Anthony because he had his scoring prowess and he can shoot the ball a little bit. But I was seeing more like a player that could do a little bit of everything, a guy that could be like your real engine on the basketball court where we talk about that can lead all the categories, scoring, rebounding, assists, 
that's the even steals, block shots. He to me, he has that type of well-roundedness potential. Uh, so I thought he was gonna be very, very, you know, great. And he came into my the rookie season, kind of exceeded my expectations. But now potentially, I feel like it's even more scary because I feel like potential, he has that like I could possibly be, I want to say a, a top five player someday in his game. I think he's that special, Max. Like, no, I, I, I don't think, think, think you're crazy. I think he's going to be tough. <laughs> I don't think, yeah, I don't think you're crazy at all. He already is tough. And that's the thing, like for Orlando Magic fans, I think they've heard the term rebuild and so often, and like they have a plethora of young players and young guards, but you don't really know. You never really knew who the guy was. And like, I covered them for four years and it's right. like, we didn't, they didn't know if Aaron Gordon was the guy. Because he's in the dunk contest. He's the one that puts butts in yeah. seats. But then Vooch is kind of your all-star. And then they went in a different direction. So then it's like, okay, we got a bunch of young guys. We just need to develop them. So they didn't know who the guy was. And then Paolo comes in here. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's the guy. Like that, that's their guy going forward. And then when you're rebuilding and you're trying to establish a culture or an identity, which I think is the hardest thing to do, um, Orlando fans have to be happy. Because like going forward, he's clearly your number one guy. And so I agree with you. I think Paolo's going to be nasty. Yeah, I went down. I was in Miami and I saw him play live against the Miami Heat, and I was just like, kind of like in awe. When you mentioned like Vooch, you mentioned like because it was a weird period with the Orlando Magic where they were just like going to the playoffs as a seven to eight seed for a couple of years. We knew they were first round exit and stuff like that, and they had Aaron Gordon. They also had Victor Oladipo before he went to OKC and stuff of like that that nature. But I feel like for us, our guards this year, I was kind of looking forward to see like what guard was going to like okay show that. I am the future for the Orlando match. You had Suggs, who I was not really high on, to be honest. Then you had Foltz, and then you had also Cole Anthony. And then Foltz this year really kind of took off and kind of like separated from the pack where we talk about, okay, now we're, now we're building something. We got Paolo. We know who our, our point guard for the future is. I think that's Foltz. And now we got to figure out like, what are we going to do to build around Paolo and also build around Fultz upcoming in the future? So it's going to be very interesting in Orlando. But let's switch gears to Atlanta Hawks. I want to ask you, a couple of weeks ago, a poll came out basically saying that Trey Young's the most overrated player, one of the most overrated players in the NBA. I don't know, you know how that happened, but that's what some of the players voted. So I want to ask you, why do you think Trey Young gets so much hate within the association? I wish I had like a really good answer for you. Like, okay, that makes sense. I, I really don't. Um, I think the best answer I could draw up or really think of, because for one, I love Trey Young's game. Like, I think he is underrated. I've even said, I think he's one of the most underrated players in the NBA. So to say overrated, I couldn't wrap my mind around it. So like you, I like yeah. would raise that question. I'm like, okay, what could it be? And the only thing I could think of is with everything in life, with business, relationships, career, it's all based off expectations. So what are your expectations? And I think people originally, when they saw him coming out of college, fair or not, they thought, oh, he's kind of like Steph Curry. And so I think he got that expectation just a little bit. And then when he reached an Eastern Conference Finals, like, oh, okay, so now there's no going backwards. He just reached an Eastern Conference Finals. And then obviously they didn't reach an Eastern Conference Finals. And he puts up numbers that make you think that he's the elite of the elite, which I believe he is, by the way. And so with those numbers come higher expectations. And when you don't deliver those expectations, maybe that is where it comes from. But to say he's the most overrated player in the world, like I don't 
even know how that's possible. Because if you see what he does on a night in, night out basis, how so many, like he could just really dissect your defense in so many different ways. He'll do it on the biggest platform possible. It makes no sense to me. And then we get reminded of it when you see him at the TD Garden, you see him at MSG, he lives up to those big moments. I'm like, what? I don't understand what you guys are watching. Yeah, sometimes, you know, the opposite of hate is love. So I feel like that's what we're seeing with Trey Young. I feel like people f- talk about him being overrated or some of the people voted that he was overrated, things of that nature. A lot of them probably just respect him because he he comes off as this guy, as, he's his own man at the end of the day. And we talk about what he did in Oklahoma City. There was some people that were talking about he was going to be a bust in the NBA because they were saying like he was too small, you know, he's too too skinny, he can't defend, all those things. And he comes in, he kind of quiets that noise, and then he goes out and reaches the Eastern Conference Finals. And then you talk about the numbers and the stats. I mean, if we go back to Oklahoma City, Trey Young's been putting up 26 and 8 since his days of college, and then transfer that over to the NBA. I think this year he averaged 26 points, nine assists, shot 43% for the field, also 33% for the three-point line. And to me, I think the problem is with Trey Young that most people don't like to talk about because when they compare his peers around him, like I saw one of those one got to goes um, on Twitter. I'm sure you see it. It was like yep, with, yeah. it was with SGA, it was with Jalen Brunson, and it was with I believe Jamal Murray. I know exactly which one you're talking and about. I'm, and, and I'm like, well, all these people are saying, Trey Young got to go, Trey Young got to go, Trey Young got to go. And I'm just like, how is, why are people getting rid of the best player? I feel like it was kind of crazy because I look at Trey Young, out of all those guys, for us talking about first option, having success, Jamal Murray's not the first option. We know who's the best player on that team. SGA, love the guy, crafty, hooper, skilled has a lot of potential going forward, but like his team <laughs> was below 500. They they made the play in or whatever. He's never done enough in the playoffs. And then Jalen Brunson, incredible season. As a number one option, he hasn't done what Trey Young has done. So it's just kind of like, I don't understand it. And then when you separate all those things and you separate the emotion and we look at like the defensive coverages that Trey Young gets on the nightly basis compared to those guys, it's kind of like they start picking up Trey Young before he even <laughs> reaches half court. So it's just like we, when we start talking, breaking things down, like talking about defensive coverages, talking about all of the – everything runs through Trey Young, talking about all the offense, all the sets, him finding and being a playmaker for the Atlanta Hawks. Like he does a lot for the Atlanta Hawks that a lot of guys don't really do. Like he's responsible to score – and also create opportunities for everybody. So he's averaging, what we say, 27 to 10. So he's generating a night, 40-plus opportunities, 40-plus points on a nightly basis. So it's just like 40-plus like assists when we combine in the points and we combine everything. It's just like, how can he be overrated? And it's kind of frustrating because – go ahead. Go ahead, Max. Now, not to cut you off, what's crazy – I'm going to think about it like this. Shad would kill me and my man Rashad Phillips because he has a positional dictionary. But just by standards and for argument's sake, I think he's the second best point guard in the game right now. And you'd be like, oh, maybe Ja. But I'm like, I don't think Ja, ja doesn't shoot the ball as well as Trey and he doesn't pass mm-hmm. the ball as well as Trey. And I love Ja. Damian Lillard's not available as much as Trey Young and he doesn't pass the ball as well as Trey Young. Kyrie Irving's not yeah. as available as Trey Young. He's not a better passer than Trey Young. So other than yeah. Steph Curry... I think you have one, like he's the only guy that you can clearly tell me is the best point guard in the world. I'm like, okay, yeah, no debate there. 
So you're talking about arguably the second best point guard in the NBA right now. And it's the most guard centric it's ever been. Granted, we do have Jokic in the finals right now, but they clearly have a huge impact on the game. Mm-hmm. And then another thing that stands out, I mean, this is what really upsets people is Luca, who he's often been compared to. I understand the draft and the trade, but Luca, in a sense felt like he's the next guy or the NBA. It seemed like there's a little bit of a push for him to be the next face. Yeah. So you guys tell me you love Luca. I don't know if everyone realizes they have the same success. They've both been yeah. to a conference final. So why isn't Luca getting that type of, oh, he's overrated? We don't do that with him for some reason. But Trey, meanwhile, is doing the same thing and has gone to an Eastern Conference Finals when he wasn't even supposed to. He was not supposed to get to that Eastern Conference Finals and he got it. them there. So I, I just look at it, and to your point and everything that you said, the way that he controls the game, the way he impacts the game, I think he's the second best point guard in the league. And I don't think we, judge him fairly or appropriately at all. Yeah, you definitely can say that. And, and I, I know Rashad as well. Um, and we talk about hybrid guards. We talk about point guards. He's a real point. Like, I know people get yeah. caught up in like, I know he can score the ball, but what he naturally likes to do best is really facilitate and really pass and find the open Amazing. and things of that, and things of that nature. He, like, he's a, a legitimately like a, a real playmaker. And people don't really talk about that, but because he's so responsible for a lot of things <laughs> that the, the Atlanta Hawks have to do because they're running everything through him. So I'm not, you know, top top two point. I, I get it. Trust me. And some people are going to hear you, Max, um, and listen to this yeah. show and listen to the podcast. They're going to be like, Max is crazy. Max is crazy. But they don't understand, like, the true real positions in the NBA because everybody has been like, all right, this guy's a point guard. 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 When you really separate it, it's kind of like not all guys are really – acting on that position of what that true position really means. hundred percent. Like hundred percent, hundred percent. A lot of people are going to say, Luca, Luca, Luca. I'm like, Luca is a dual forward as Rashad would say. I don't put him just as a point guard. And so that's why I know to your point, you're going to get a lot of people like, Oh, how about this person? There's a lot of people who actually aren't playing that position that you think just because they have that label. Mm -hmm. So when I just look at a pure point guard, I just don't really see, I mean, technically like, yeah, to his point, Steph really isn't either, but I just, I look at Trey and that's just someone that Atlanta should wrap their arms around and embrace. He's the best player you've had in a long, long time. Mm -hmm. What areas do you need to think he, you think Trey Young needs to improve on though? The biggest room of improvement for me, I mean, obviously you could look at the defensive end, but he was, that's a lot of effort. For me, it's his off ball. If Trey Mm -hmm. can develop that off ball movement and I thought we'd see a little bit more of that when we had Javante Murray here and it would give him the opportunity to play a little bit off ball. And he obviously has the shooting ability to do so, but I think allowing him to be more off ball at times will create easier shots for himself. Cause what you were mentioning when he brings the ball up, people are guarding him from half court. So you're having to create for yourself. It's exhausting. You already have a size disadvantage. And so you have to create a lot of space, but if he has and whatever this team looks like going into next year, if it is Murray or whatever the case may be, I feel like him moving off the ball will open up a lot of scoring up opportunities for him and more efficient clip. It'll be easier looks. No, I definitely agree. I feel like the problem is that you have to have the right coach to kind of implement those systems and, and get Trey Young to kind of buy into that because, you know, he's been playing this way his entire life. I feel like over the course of his career, that's going to happen because as much as people talk about efficiency and talk about his numbers and things of that nature, people are going to say, you know, he even said it himself, like he wants to, you know, generate more offense shooting threes and, and really improve his efficiency on his three-point shot. How can you do that? 
getting clean and open looks and not making sure everything is, you know, create off the dribble from deep. Uh, I think that's something he wants to work on. Well, that's something he said he wants to work on going forward. So I like Deontay Murray a lot, but that, this leads me to my next question. It's just like, do you think he is good enough to be the number two for the Atlanta Hawks going forward? I think he can be, but I don't know if that's what they're going to do. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really like his game a lot as well. I really, yeah. really like his game. One thing that I think is going to happen, and I said this on my show, the Atlanta Hawks should be like you. We we live in the social media era. I'm sure you've seen this. Not to say any names, you don't got to put anyone on blast or nothing like that. But no. you have that one relationship that's very public, and they post everything. And then all of a sudden, they break up, and there's someone that swoops in and gets into the relationship with them very quickly. That's what Atlanta Hawks should embrace that role and be that for Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown is the best fit for Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. So we see this relationship you just had with Boston. They should be that person. It's like, okay, they just broke up. Go ahead and embrace that role. Swoop in there and get in a relationship with Jalen Brown. He's from Atlanta. He presents everything that they need. Defense, that dog. He has that dog mentality, which I absolutely love. Um, I don't know if Boston is going to pay him or not, so that's yet to be determined. But that is something that I feel Atlanta Hawks fans, the organization, Trey Young should look at. And I feel like him and Trey Young is more of a fluid, natural combination than him and Jason Tatum. And so, and I don't think it necessarily has to be, oh, I'm the man, you're the man. It could just be like, hey, this is a really good partnership. We both complement each other's games. I think this works. And I think that's exactly what you'd get if Jalen Brown comes to Atlanta. Are you concerned that Jalen Brown's going to go there and feel like it's his team? Or he's going there to, to showcase how I can be the, a true number one? Now, I don't think it may, I'm, I'm going to let you answer that question, but part of me feels like it will be. Part of me feels like it doesn't. It may not because of Trey Young, like we talked about, like he's facilitating. but. What do, what do you think for that? I don't I don't think so, because I just don't think they would get in the way of each other. Mm-hmm. And so even if you want to be like, hey, I'm going to take a lot. Of, I mean, that would make Trey's life easier. He lo- like we mm-hmm. talked about, he naturally loves passing the ball. So to have a wing that naturally loves to attack the basket is a match made in heaven. It's like, OK, I naturally love to pass it. You naturally love to attack. And so then Jalen Brown also has simultaneously someone to make his life easier and create opportunities for himself. And so I don't think it's necessarily like, oh, I need to be the man or you need to be the man. I think you just have two guys that have incredibly high basketball IQs and their mindsets fit each other. Because one thing we say about Trey, like we just want to see more of that. One thing I've heard is just kind of more of that leadership or just to take initiative. That's one thing that Jalen Brown loves to do. We've seen it on and off the court. And then one thing that Jalen Brown needs is someone that can maybe make his life a little bit easier. Don't make it more difficult than it needs to be or creating your own shot. And that's exactly what Trey could do. And so. I think just having that combination, I truly believe, and I'm not just saying this because I live in Atlanta now, I truly believe that works. So let's say that does happen. Or let's not say that does happen. Let's say that the Atlanta Hawks decide to kind of stay packed and they decide to make, because I feel like if you're giving up Jalen Brown, you probably give up Murray, probably had to give up a couple of picks, I'm assuming, maybe, yeah. for Jalen Brown. Um, but let's say that the Atlanta Hawks decide to stay packed. And when I say stay packed, I mean they, they go out there – not necessarily Jalen Brown, a player that, you know, may cost them a little bit more. Let's say they go after another guy. Who's another guy that you feel like can play that wing position other than Jalen Brown that would probably be a little bit more cheaper to get and and allow the Atlanta Hawks to still keep Deontay Murray and still keep Trey Young and what they have in that backcourt? That's a really good question because I know another person that I thought of, I think DeAndre Ayton would flourish with Trey Young in the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. 
but that's not necessarily a wing. So if you were to keep Murray, and they, need, they need a big. They need a big though, Max. So you can say yeah. a big. They need a big and too. I really people aren't as high on Aiton anymore. But if you remember, just a couple of years ago, people loved Aiton when he was playing well in the finals. And so yeah. it's the, the way the market fluctuates with players is crazy. One day you love mm-hmm. them, the other day people don't like them. So I wouldn't listen yeah. to what the people say. I'll listen to what your team needs. And if you could keep, if you stayed put, if you stayed put like you said, and you have Trey, you have Jamonte Murray. And you add Aiton to that team with Quinn Snyder now having a full offseason as a head coach to implement his strategy. And you obviously hear how how much Trey loves Quinn mm-hmm. Snyder and players that play for him, Donovan Mitchell. So with yeah. that system with Aiton, I feel like you're now looking at a more balanced team. And that would be a more well-rounded team going into next year. But you gotta you have to make noise. You have to be aggressive. If you're not aggressive, you won't win in this league. Yeah. I agree. You got a player in John Collins. I feel like he wants out. I feel like ever since yeah. he's been wanted out, I think that's that situation, that relationship is is over with. DeAndre Hunter is another guy that I feel like, you know, when is he gonna pop? <laughs> we we see a lot of potential. We see nights where it's like, damn, he can be a 22 point scorer in this league. And then some nights we see like, damn, he's you know, 14, 16 points per game. The lack of consistency that he he brings on the basketball court is very, very concerning for Atlanta Hawks, but he also got to play. He doesn't really play. He's always hurt and things of that nature. So if not Jalen Brown, I was thinking maybe another guy that I feel like is going to be available, like OG from the Toronto Raptors. A lot of those Raptors got OG. You got maybe Pascal Siakam. Jeremy Grant is a free agent. I feel like you kind of want a player that could be comfortable just come and be in that number three. Because you 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 get Jalen Brown, I, I would I would love to see Trey Young with Jalen Brown. But my biggest concern is like I really would think that Jalen Brown would probably think like, yo, this is my time to show that like I'm just as good as Jason Tatum, I'm the man, and things of that nature. I really feel like that's some of the underlying uh, kind of like tension with the Boston Celtics. Right. I don't you know I don't have any sources or anything. That's just like what I feel like because sometimes even watching them play together. On the fast break, when it's like a two-on-one, he doesn't even – they don't even look at each other at times. <laughs> so it's just like that's a very – I know, and I've been in those situations because I played basketball, played in college. I've been in those situations where I've been feeling like in high school I was the number two to, to I felt like I should have been a number one. And in college, you know, I felt like I was a man. It was, I had another two that thought he should be the one. Mm-hmm. So those, those, those issues happen. But I feel like a, a solid number three – even like it doesn't even have to be those big of a names. Maybe like a Kyle Kuzma for the Atlanta Hawks, a guy Ooh, that can fit in that, and play. That's a sneaky one. Yeah, like rebound, score a little bit. Like he'll be comfortable with being a number three. Yeah, no, and I, I really like the Pascal Siakam one. I think Siakam is uh, that's another guy yeah. who the stock was so high on him, and now you don't really hear much. But yeah. in the right right environment with a guy like Trey to make his life so easy. Those are all really, really good picks. And I think another important piece, and it's not like a flashy, sexy pickup by any means, but like Mm. somebody like a Kyle Lowry or a veteran off the bench to Mm. have that. Like that's one thing I feel like was very absent with this roster is having that veteran voice that's so underrated. It's not something you think of. It's not a big free agent move, but every championship team has that guy. And I think that's something that they could really utilize coming off the bench and just being there, being present. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of players, a lot of teams that need some some veteran yeah. <laughs> leadership, yeah. especially in the South. <laughs> uh, but this next segment, Max, is the truth teller segment. So I'm going to read you a tweet, and you're going to say if he or she is a truth teller or not. Sounds good. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So first one, NBA paint number one. KD is the greatest player in the history of basketball, and you can make a case was never the best player in the world at any point in his career. 
Is this person is? a truth teller or not? KD. No, KD. not a truth teller. <laughs> not a truth teller. Come on, LA, I love KD's game. That's not a truth teller right there. Why? KD, the best player in the world right now. No, no. it said, no, 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 no. It said, KD is the greatest player in the history of basketball that you can make a case that was never the best player in the world at any point of his career. Whoa. Okay. Let, let me apologize. There, Truth yeah, teller. I think that's actually oh. a very good take. I thought he said best. I heard best player in the world. I'm like, come no, on. No, no, no. No, no, no. no. Truth teller. Wow. That's a great point because he, I compared Kevin Durant. He actually commented on this post because I love analogies. And I was like, Tom Brady's LeBron, Aaron Rodgers, Kevin Durant. And I explained why. And Aaron Rodgers is one of the most talented throwers of the football we've ever seen, but he's always played under Tom Brady. Like that should we think Tom Brady in championships. Kevin Durant, unfortunately, had LeBron James throughout the majority of his career. So he was never seen as the best player. And even at Golden State, you can make the case, but I would still feel like LeBron is the best player. And then you went to the Steph Curry MVPs, then you go to Giannis, and then you go to Jokic now. So I don't think KDA ever had that moment where he's unanimously the best player in the world, but he's one of the greatest talents we've ever seen. I think he's the greatest scorer of all time. Okay. Um, you can make a case 2014, I think, for Kevin Durant, even though I would still give the edge to LeBron. And I will also say in 2017, 2018, if you win back-to-back finals MVPs and you're the best player on your team, and you're kind of the reason why this team became a dynasty, even though Stephen Curry, people are going to argue about the gravity on the basketball court. People are going right. to argue that Stephen Curry opened up a lot of shots for Kevin Durant and things of that nature. People are going to argue that Stephen Curry was more important for the success of allowing Kevin Durant to kind of like come in and basically just be himself, kind of like what Dwayne Wade did for LeBron James. I would still make the case that you can make an argument that in 2017 and 2018, if you go out and beat the man, beat the guy, regardless of the team that you have, especially in 2017, more so than 2018, I would say if you go out and you beat the man and you beat the guy, and it was just kind of like, it wasn't like LeBron James didn't have, you know, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love on that team. It wasn't like, that wasn't, that wasn't 2000, no, I'm saying that was 2018, 2017, he had those guys. They were hurt. Yeah, but it's just like injuries happens all the time. It's just like, it's like you can't, we can't sit up. In fact, like you, you still had to play LeBron James in his prom. You still had to go. It was Kevin Durant making the big shots. It was Kevin Durant going mano a mano against LeBron James. So I think you can, you like, you can still say LeBron James, of course, because we LeBron James averaged a triple double in that finals. But I feel like when we talk about moments and we talk about like, change the direction of that series when it was time to rise to the occasion. I feel like Kevin Durant did that. And I feel like Kevin Durant clearly was the best player on the Golden State Warriors, regardless of them having Stephen Curry or not. Even we talk about his defensive capability and rim protecting, he became a complete basketball player with the Golden State Warriors, I believe. I think you can say that probably maybe not, you know, both years, but at least one of those years, you can't tell me that Kevin Durant wasn't the best player in the world. And even when he came, even I would say 2019 as well, when LeBron James went to the Los Angeles Lakers, I thought Kevin Durant was clearly the best player in the world. They would have went out to 3 P if he didn't get hurt as well. So, because he now, was on another level that year. He wasn't, I don't think there's enough gray in sports. 
like people are like, oh, it's either this or that. It's like, no, it, yeah. that's like a really compelling point. So if you want to say Kevin Durant was the best player in those points, I'm not going to be like, oh my gosh, how did you see that? Like, no, he yeah. was amazing. And like, he's literally on guard. There's been nobody that can stop Kevin Durant. When he wants to score, he's going to score. It's just up to whether or not his shots fall. I love his game. So if you were to say that, I don't, I may think LeBron, but it's not like, oh no, there's no way. Kevin Durant was amazing. Yeah. I mean, trust me, I, listen, I think it's, I think, I think it's like a toss up. I feel like you can make a legitimate argument that if you win back to back finals MVPs and two championships in a row and you were the best man and the, the best player on that team, it's kind of like, damn, like how am I not the best player? In the world, and then going into the 2019 season, like I said, he was on another level. We know LeBron had went to Los Angeles Lakers as well, and it wasn't like that was LeBron's first year and things of that nature. Yeah. But Kevin Durant was on a different level that year. If we really go back and we watch the tape and we watch the film and what he was doing, like it was a reason why, even though they don't, they won't admit it, it was a reason why they were like, you know, Kevin Durant, like we need you to come back. We need you to come back in the playoffs. Because as much as I love the Golden State Warriors, I love Stephen Curry, and people are talking about, like, once they won their championship last year in 2020, it was just like, you know, they proved the point that they didn't need Kevin Durant. The time for them to prove, to really prove that point, was really in 2019 when they went up against Toronto Raptors and Kawhi Leonard. So, like, three years later, I don't, you know, the whole, like, oh, they proved they didn't need Kevin Durant and stuff like that. I'm really not buying it because I think the, the the chance for them to actually do that was 2019 when all that drama was breaking out with the Golden State Warriors and Kevin Durant, and we saw what happened. So, uh, But next one, Max. This is T. Jones on the NBA. I would just select Scoop and trade, Scoot and Trey Dame and Simmons. Not sure why Portland doesn't rip the Band-Aid off. So he's basically talking about drafting Scoot Henderson in this upcoming draft and get rid of Dame and possibly Simons, not Simmons. Is this guy a true teller or not? Tony Jones. Drafting Scoot and trading Dame. Honestly, I think that's a great idea. That's a true teller because I think that's the direction Portland needs to go in. It's just like the conversation that keeps reoccurring when there's smoke, there's fire. Like it's time for that. I think Dame is at a point he's clearly made it clear. He just wants to contend for a championship. He's not into rebuild. Portland clearly is not in that position to contend for a championship. Let Dame be who Dame needs to be to end his career. And I think Dame, and I'll get the scoop too. I think Dame is going to have one of the most interesting careers when it's all said and done, because when future generations look at this era, they're like, wait, wait a second. Dame doesn't have any MVPs. Wait, Dame doesn't have any rings. Like typically when you don't have rings, you have MVPs, you have individual accolades. He doesn't have that. So what do you mean Dame's one of the best ever? But when you watch Dame, he was better than your favorite player. And he's the most effective when it matters most. And he's clutch. And he's the best shooter in the league other than Steph Curry. So I would love to see him in a position that allows him to like be on the biggest stage with it. And just the bubble kind of felt like that because sports is kind of at a halt. And so people can look at Dame and be like, oh my gosh. But then since then, people don't talk about Portland like that because they're not winning. So I just always wish Dame was in a position we could see him on the biggest stage because I think he's one of the most underrated players in league history that needs that. And as far as Scoot, I think Scoot is going to be a superstar like right away. He has all the intangibles to be one. I know someone who's actually very close with him. It was like, this dude's a great, not only a great person, like he has that mentality. I watched yeah. him play when uh, they came through Atlanta, the G League team. He has this like athleticism that reminds you of like a Westbrook and Rose, mm-hmm. but yet he loves to naturally pass the ball and his IQ is insane. 
Like I think Scoot's going to be effective immediately. So I think that this is a great opportunity if Portland is ever going to make that transition to do it now. I did a po- I did a post on my Instagram, AKSMBA, talking about Scoot and talking about Dame and how basically everything you're kind of saying, like it's time. Like if it's not time, it's never going to be time because for us, Dame, no. you mentioned about Dame is going to be one of the greatest players that's going to have a really dicey legacy when people talk. And I know he doesn't care about legacy and things of that nature. Like he's going to, he even said it, like I'll probably be known for one of the, the players with the most 40 or 50 point games, that type of shit. But when you brought that up, that, that point, Max, when it's going to be people like us, that's going to be like, yo, Dame was one of the coldest people, players of all time. He was, he was, you know, the greatest long distance shooter, even better than Stephen Curry. He was a four level scorer, you know, rare breed. We're going to say all these great things about Dame. And if we look at his resume and the people that's going to look at, you know, the resume only, he didn't win MVP. He wasn't a scoring leader. He doesn't have a championship. They're going to, you know what they're going to say? Oh, well, he's just like that guard guy, Carmelo Anthony. That's what they're going to point to. And Carmelo, yeah. the first battle Hall of Famer, one of the coldest players, a top five offensive weapon, offensive like skill set, offensive talent, I feel like to ever play this game. But people are going to say like, yo, okay, well, we know about talent, we know about the skill set, but like, how come that didn't translate to anything? I don't want that to really happen to, today. And I feel like if he doesn't leave, it's a possibility it's going to happen. Yeah, and you look at all of his contemporaries, even a guy like, okay, Westbrook, the triple-double, iconic, MVPs, yeah. he's set. He, even if he never wins a ring, his legacy never is set. He's a legend. Yeah. Even a guy like Chris Paul, who doesn't have any rings or MVPs, he's been to an NBA Finals now, yeah. and he has a lot of the passing records. Like He has yeah. that. Steve Nash has MVPs. Jason Kidd has been to a Finals. He actually has a championship with Dallas. But like, there's, yeah. You look at all the contemporaries, even people you may think he's better than, but he won't have the things that they have. It's just going to be simply, did you watch him play? Because if you watched mm-hmm. him play, you would know this guy is that guy. Definitely. And Scoot, just uh, to piggyback off what you said, he's an athletic anomaly. Like, he's something that we ain't really, you know, like, we, we got guys like, like you said, Westbrook Rose, but those are anomalies. When we talk about athleticism, we think about the yeah. most athletic players, point guards that ever played this game. We think about Rose, we think about Westbrook. If he's in that category, that means he's an anomaly. As talented as this league is, that means like he's something special to me. I think he's the most NBA-ready prospect in this draft, even over Wimbiana. Because I feel really? like I, I do. I feel like he's gonna be great. I feel I know he's 75. I know he's talented. I know he has a skill set of a guard and things of that nature. But for a safe and secure pick for the next, I feel like 10 years, who would I bet my money on? that's going to show up, availability, that's not going to have injuries or things of that nature, Scoot seems like a, a great safety option. Even though I feel like, you know, Wimayana is going to be generational, generational talent. Scoot, if I get him and I feel like, okay, the next 10 years, you know, I, I'll take my chance. It's kind of like the, the Zion situation with John Moran. I was just about to say that to you. Zion, like yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Zion, we know, super generational talent. Oh shit, Memphis got John Morant. Look what's going on right now. Now I don't want that to happen to Wimbiana or anything, right, right, anything right, of that right. nature. But it's just like you get what I'm saying. It's just like with those type of prospects, and we talk about unicorns in the league, it's always been dicey. Like the only unicorn I, and the only unicorn that I've really seen that's like for his injury 
has been very successful. Even this player has had a lot of injuries. That's been Kevin Durant. You know, like we talk about a long, great career, 6'10", 6'11", up. But you look at like Yao Bean, you look at Christos Porzingis, you know, you look at a lot of these guys who are like very talented, unicorn-like, it hasn't been that great. I hope that doesn't happen with the boy out of France. Uh, but last one, Max. From NBA Hoops Online, one of Luka Doncic, Trey Young, Damian Lillard, John Morant are probably getting traded this offseason. Truth teller or not. We have Luka. You said Trey Young, Damian Lillard, and who? John Morant. One of those players oh. are probably getting traded this offseason. I can break it down. So Luka's not getting traded. Trey Young's not getting traded. I, I think they'll trade anyone but Trey Young. So you have to ask yourself, will Damian Lillard get traded and will Ja Morant get traded? Ja won't get traded. I think he'll be suspended half the season or whatever the, the sentence will be. Um, so I don't think Ja gets traded. That leaves you with Dame. So how confident are you that Dame gets traded? History would say not confident. It doesn't usually go through. But I'm going to be optimistic. And just because of the conversation we just had, yeah. now would be the time to do it. So I'm going to say that's a truth teller. And I think we just, I, I don't know if this is how much validity is to it. I don't, mm-hmm. I got to look into it. When I'm, before I hopped on the show, Dame was talking about Miami and he was talking about Brooklyn. Yeah. As, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think if Miami were to lose a series or even if they win this series, he fits Miami perfectly. Like I would lo- mm-hmm. love to see Dame Lillard with the heat. So I'm going to say truth teller. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree, but I wouldn't, I really wouldn't, I don't think it happens, but I wouldn't count on Trey Young a little bit. And the reason why that front office in Atlanta kind of concerns me. I don't think they know what they're doing. It's a lot of like, mm. it's a lot of stuff going on <laughs> in Atlanta Hawks and that front office is is really, really concerning me. And the fact that like as soon as basically like they got eliminated, like, oh, Atlanta Hawks would be open to trading Trey Young. That's that's very concerning. Like, because at the end of the day, this is your franchise player. This is your guy. This is the guy you gave the keys to the franchise. This guy has had success for the Atlanta Hawks. So I agree with you on Dame, but like Trey Young, it really, it gets to a point where like, even though you are that guy, it gets to a point where even the dudes start to get a little disrespected. We've seen Kobe Bean Bryant ask for a trade. Like we've seen Kevin Durant ask for a trade. Like, We've seen James Harden. When you start feeling like you're getting dis- disrespected and people aren't like acknowledging your greatness and everything you're bringing to you know, this organization, regardless of the fact that people are talking about leadership and talk about what he needs to do in the locker room and things of that nature, because that's, those are things that you, I feel like you can fix if you bring in more vets, if you, you just, you know, more when it comes to maturity. But at the same time, when I'm looking around and I look at like, all the responsibility that I've had since I've got drafted is like the Allen Hours situation. Like, like who's really going to check me when y'all not even providing the right players for me? So it's just like you have to ask yourself, like, if yeah. you're Trey Young, when do you get tired? Allen Hours and I asked for a trade. So it's just like, you know, it's, it's, it's a dicey situation. Yeah, I think if I had to bet my money, and I don't have this source or anything, this is just me just speculating. I think he stays with Atlanta for a good amount of time, definitely this upcoming season. But if I had to bet my money, he doesn't finish his career in Atlanta. Like I, I could definitely see him in a different yeah. environment, a different place. Uh, I think a lot of people will want to play with him. And I think at some point in time, championships will be on his mind. So if, if he's not able to do that here, I, I wouldn't blame him if he wants to do it elsewhere. But I think he's, 
he's all in right now. And I, I truly believe Atlanta, they should, it'd be crazy if they don't, they need to embrace Trey young and support him. So with the new coach, I think this is their, this is their way. So we'll see if this relationship becomes a marriage or if they break up. Okay. Definitely agree. Um, final question. Who are your three top favorite young players in the game right now? Oh man. That's such a good question. Are we going with an age limit? Are you going with no, under no, 25? How do you want to 25, do this? Is, well, Jason Taylor and Luka Doncic is like, they're 25 years old right now. It's 24, 25. So 25 and under. Anthony Edwards is by far number one. Mm. I think Anthony Edwards is going to be the best player in the world at some point in time. I, 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 I he, every, like I that man, <laughs> from Atlanta, by the way. Um, yeah. But he... I love Anthony Edwards' game. Like it's just he's in Minnesota right now, and I don't think they established that he's the guy yet. They still liked Cat, and obviously oh, it's, it's, it's happening. It's going to happen this year. It needs it's to. Gonna, I think Anthony Edwards is going to be an MVP year. within like three years. So Anthony Edwards is my guy number one. As far as two and three, I really want to say Zion. It's just we don't see him enough. But I mm. love Zion Williamson. Every time he plays, I can watch him play all day. I love his personality. It's just we don't see it, and that's the most aggravating part of it. But I love Zion. And number three, number three is tricky because I want to go to a couple guys. I, you have to be patient with me. I, I think I would go Tatum. I love Tatum's game. Tatum's, yeah, Tatum's game is so smooth. Like, you could just, yeah, it's just. So smooth. But it's weird with Tatum, though. And I think this is the next step in his evolution. He'll give you 51 and break an NBA record. And then the next game, you don't see the, I guess, the quote unquote, the dog. But you know he has the talent to be the best player in the world. So I think that next step to Tatum will make him arguably the best player in the world. Yeah, I think he has to. I think, I think, I agree with, I really agree with all your points. I feel like Anthony Everts has the tools to be the best player in the world. But I say, who's your three? Way. Who's your three? Oh, my three. Number one is Jason Taylor. You see the Cavs. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. So, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that, where that's, my, that's where my guy's from. My guy's from yeah, St. That, Louis. He's like, bro, I had to play him in football. People don't know that Jason Tatum played football. Yeah. He was yeah, nasty. So, so I'm going to roll with Jason Tatum. Number two, I'm going to roll with uh, Trey Young, the guy we've been talking about all this whole podcast. That's my guy. I feel like Trey Young is spectacular. Trey Young is special. He's going to be the best point guard in the world someday. And I feel like he's going to be a top five player in the game in his prime. I feel like it's coming. I just feel like he just needs the right pieces around him and needs to kind of like mature and develop his three-point shot when we talk about not taking crazy threes as much at times um, on a basketball court, but I think he's special. And then Anthony Edwards. <laughs> that's that's my dog. I feel like you can't – there's certain things you can't teach. You can't teach guys mm-hmm. to have heart. And Anthony Davis, Anthony Edwards, I'm sorry, he has that. Like, this guy's a two-way stud. He gets after on the defensive side, wants to guard the opposing yeah. team's best player. He's also a three-level scorer. He also can handle the ball. He also is uber-athletic. Like, his, he has things that you just can't teach. And then when you combine that with the mentality that he has, it's going to get scary. So, those are my three, Max. And, um, yeah, Max, I mean, that's that's pretty much it, man. I really appreciate you coming on the show, if you don't mind telling the the – Hoop Ties family out here in Slam, where we can find you at. Tell all the audience, you know. Yeah. Where can we, where can we hear more from Max? First of all, I really appreciate you having me on and just taking a moment of your time to talk hoops. And you guys love what you guys do, so I'd love to have you on my page. You can come on my radio show Definitely. whenever you want. My podcast. Love to connect further. Um, 
as far as where you can find me, I try to make it as simple as possible. So my name is my brand. It's just Max Van Auken at V-A-N space A-U-K-E-N on all socials. That's my podcast name. And then I'm a host of 99 The Game to the max every Wednesday night at 11 p.m. Eastern time at 99 The Game. And then, like I said, my podcast is wherever you get podcasts. So it's been a little bit of an off season for my podcast, but now I'm drawing some things up. I'm going to have some in-person guests, a lot of big stuff coming up. So I'd love to have you on if you ever find yourself either Zoom or in-person, but I really appreciate it. Thank you. Definitely, definitely, Max. I'd love to come on as well and keep doing what you're doing, man. Great young talent. I see your future is incredibly bright. And once again, appreciate you for coming on. And make sure you go follow Hoop Ties, like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This is your boy, Mike K. Smith. I'm going, man. Peace. <laughs>